Hello, good people. If you're tired of a world of fake news, fake personalities, and fake images, you're tuned into the right place. This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to give a special shout out to my family on the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. These are the people from my mother to my aunts, cousins, um, uncles that were with me and seen me through all of these things through the years, especially in my incarceration and coming home. They really helped me. I really want to thank, uh, like I said, once again, the the, the Davis, Barksdale, uh, uh, Sidner, Carden family. Thank you again. Forget about what somebody else think about you. What do you think about you? Your past don't define you. Hello, everybody. We have very important news and events scheduled for some episodes on voter rights restoration. Please do not miss these upcoming episodes with 10 Minutes of Truth for Sean A. Barksdale. Thank you. If you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 Minutes of Truth podcast, contact me, Sean Barksdale. You can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text. Or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com. And remember, we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. What's your truth? Bro, I wasn't I wasn't home five hours before they was at my mom's house kicking the door in again. Come on. That's the lifestyle I was living. Did man. they really kick the door in? No, no. My mom, um, the, by the grace of God, but they were, I had my neighborhoods on fire. People was like, Sean, what? Police have been everywhere. I couldn't stay there. I couldn't even stay at the house. How did, how did your mom feel? You know, this is going left. Her husband, unfortunately, you know, back and forth in jail. Now her son back and forth in jail and he just gets out and here they come again. If you go back and listen to uh, my mother's episode, I asked her, um, did you ever feel hopeless with me? She said, look real bleak at one point. Mm. You know, it looked real bleak because I was I was living it, bro. I won't plan at all. And for her, it was just a nightmare, man. You know, your only child. And every time you turn around, this dude is in something and he's in serious trouble. I wasn't in little Kitty stuff. I was in some serious, serious stuff going on, man. Now, 10 Minutes of Truth, it's it's about transparency right. for the person that's being interviewed. Right. And you've been, you know, 100% transparent. Right. This episode is a long episode. We'll, it'll probably be broken up into a few segments. Right. But if you're out there listening, if you know a young person or an old person for that uh, matter, female or male. And you know that, you know, things they're doing in their life may be going left. This is what they need to hear. Absolutely. Sit down with them. You know, you can watch a movie for two hours. You can save their life in two hours. Absolutely. You know, you can waste a lot of time in life. Listening to Sean's story is not a waste of time. So let's fast forward to here we go up the road for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, you just talk about that in your own way from the moment that you left the local jail and they're sending you to the prison. Once I got that time and I realized that it, how real the time was. Cause I, I was in jail two years before I got my time. Cause I had so much going on. I had my judge said, Mr. Barcia, you're a very busy man because it's what's called a circuit. You go to circuit court, so a circuit is just that. 
you have one judge that may go on a circuit around these tri-counties, meaning Mecklenburg, Lunenburg, Halifax. It may be one judge that go. I had the same judge for every case. In how many different municipalities? Three. Four. Same four. Four. So uh, I'm sure By when the time you saw him got, coming, listen, you were like, I, I, is, I can't win. This is no joke. I got 14 years, turned around two weeks later, and got five years at another court, same judge for uh, a gun charge. Wow. A gun charge, bro. Like, he was like, he tells me, he says, son, because I knew how to talk, right? And I tell him, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading for my life. I'm like, listen, this is paper. You don't know me. This is not me. You got to walk with me and talk with me to get to know. He said, sir, he said, son, you, you, you're a bright young man, but you've made some horrible decisions in life. And we're going to make sure that by the time you do come home, you're not going to be the same man, mm. you know, any minute. And he was right. <laughs> but but in that moment, I'm like, man, come on, man. You just gave me 14. He actually gave me 73 years and suspended all but 14. Wow. Man, he gave, listen, he gave me so much time. You know how they tell you stand up? Right. He said, stand. I stand up. They said uh, 25 years for such and such robbery. You didn't black out during uh, any of this? Uh, listen, just listen <laughs> to me. He says 25 years for uh, armed robbery. Uh, uh, um, all suspended but three. Uh, 25 years because they gave me two armed robberies, two gun charges, ex all these crimes. right? And he's like 25 years. When I heard the next 25 years and I heard 50, I sat down. He's like, sir, you have to stand. I said, I can't. Wow. I can't stand up. I lost I, I, everything left me, bro. I'm like, yo, I'm never coming home, man. Because I'm not hearing the time that's coming off. I'm just hearing the first number. Is your family in the courtroom? Everybody's there. My my mother said in her interview, that was one of the darkest days for my family. I got my grandparents there. I got cousins there. I got aunts. There. I got my whole family. The, I cried like a baby. A baby. I'm not ashamed to say, do not listen or, or believe what you hear, ladies and gentlemen. I cried like a baby in the courtroom, yo. Wow. Because it was real. Yeah. It was get more it, real than that. Man. So anyway, I get all this time. And I'm in the jail and I remember, and this is something that I told Lisa Kiss Brown on her podcast. I'm disrupt your now. Disrupt your now. Um, and a great podcast. Y'all check that out. Um, I'm sitting on my floor and I didn't know how to obtain goals, man. I knew I didn't. I knew that I didn't have any education. I knew I didn't know nothing. I, I got a pen, a pad, and I just started writing stuff down started writing down I want to get closer to God. I was a brand new father, brand new baby. Come on. With all this time. How old? I mean, when I got the time, she was like a year. Wow. Like a year old. And you know you're going to do 15 at that point for sure. Off the top. Not I, coming I, out. I already know it. No early release. No. Only thing I can hope for is an appeal that's looking very bleak. But I know, you know, I got to do this time. You know, so I started to I'm still, you know, I'm me, but there's something, it's something, it's something that wants to change that has to, you know, it has to. So as I go up the road, as they say, and I start going to prison, I still was doing survival things, right? I'm still dabbling in drugs. I'm still, cause you know, I'm still trying to escape the facility. So I'm still getting high 
in prison. Um, I'm still doing it because I got to survive. Right. I didn't have I had a great um, backing as far as family, but not financially, you know. So um, but I'm, I'm 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 moving in a way of I want to change. So I'm, I'm I got this crazy balance. I'm going to school. Right. And I want to say this and I want people to understand this and hear this. My first big goal, obtainable goal, was my GD. That took me two years to get, right? Going to school, learn, and that was, that's when I knew I could do something else besides what I've always done. And that kind of put me in a direction to start taking trades, start taking classes, start doing this and doing that. Because I always tell people, I tell parents and I tell children um, that change uh, uh, it's not an event. An event is you pay a ticket, you go to a concert, you watch it, and you leave. Change is a process. It's a process. It's an ever-going process because I'm still a, I'm still a work in progress now. You know, I'm I'm sitting here listening, and w- w- as humble as I can say, it sounds like there's some schizophrenic behavior going on because oh man, on one side you're saying. I feel like I want to change. I want to get my GED. I'm doing positive things. And on the other side, you're saying I'm dealing drugs and I'm still moving and shaking while I'm in there. Right. They don't support one another. No. How did these two different things exist in your mind and your behavior at the same time in which one won? You know, it's funny you said that because it made me remember something. When I used to be in the street, I had a dual personality and I would talk to myself. I would do this. It, this is the first time I ever told you Out about loud? It. Listen, and people going, this is crazy because millions of people going to hear this, right? But this, you just made me think of this. I used to have to talk myself into situations. I had, a, a, like, a, my guys that knew me, my alter ego was called Bobby Zella, right? This this guy, his name was Bobby Zella. So they, and so he would, like, I would be, like, I may be in the shower and I'd be like, all right, man, you're going to have to take this trip to get these drugs. Out loud. Yeah, I'm telling I'm telling myself, but I'm. it's like I'm talking to Bobby, though. Gotcha, but it, this is out loud. This is out loud. Okay. You know, this is where, you know, but people, listen, I'm not crazy like that, y'all. But, <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I, I so gotta you take, say. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I gotta, so I would have to talk myself into the situation. I'd be like, okay, you're going to have to take the trip. Sean's scared. He's scared. Bobby's not scared. Bobby like, let me take over. And I would say it just like that. Wow. Let me take over. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, all right, man, you got it. And I would go on and do what I had to do. So in prison, these two people are that Sean wants in now. Because Sean was, you know, he was the person I am now. I merged both of these guys, but I made both of them positive. Okay. If you can understand that. No, I can't, but you can you know explain what, it. Right. Keep going. <laughs> no, seriously, I made both of these guys positive because Bobby was a negative guy. Sean was a positive guy. Okay. Right? So. What the question that you asked, how I merged these two or uh, how they was formulated, Sean was like, yo, I got to go to school. Bobby was like, well, we got to get these softballs of drugs thrown over the fence. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, you get the drugs, man. I'm going to school. You know what I'm saying? So So you did both. Yeah. So after I go to school, I make sure, you know, we on the softball field to get the drugs. You know, I, I hear you. Right. The part that I'm missing And I think the part that the audience may be missing is what was the plan for success? Because it's like you're doing both. Which did you want to win at that time? Sean. 
you wanted Sean to win. Yeah, but but the alter ego, he had a hold on me, man, because he had done so much. You know, most people either look to religion or they look to a, an older person to try to give them some wisdom. Absolutely. Where did you find that thing that helped you get right? Religion. I became Muslim. Once I once once I saw and I started studying and learning, you know, and got closer to my creator, that was a major shift. I don't want you to get too deep into right. that yet because right. I want you to quantify and qualify becoming Muslim because some folk think it means yelling Allah Akbar and throwing a bag of bombs. Right. Right. Uh, talk about the Muslim religion and, and dispel some of the, the misnomers for folk. For me, when I first started, I, I've dibbled and dabbled in a few religions, right? I grew up in a Christian household. I got baptized when I was like eight. That, that My great-grandfather built the actual baptism pool, and I was one of the first people baptized in it. Wow. And I believed in Christianity. I mean, wholehearted. I believed in it. So you knew the Bible? Yeah. You were singing I knew hymns and carrying. Yeah, I was an usher in the church. I okay. was in church. You and know there's a church on your property, isn't that correct? Yeah, Sunday school. Wow. Absolutely. And that he built. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That they built. So, um, so what happened for me was I remember one one day I'm in jail and I hear this guy, which I know now is called the Avan or it's the call of prayer. And it was it was beautiful when he said it. And I was like, what was that you just said, man? Did it speak to your heart or your ears? Both, both, because I was a music guy, but it did something inside. If something I didn't know what it was being said. I didn't know any of this. Right. So this guy, I never forget, he's under the steps talking to me and he's telling me, you know, I had heard, you know, the word Allah before. And, you know, I'm like, OK, I'm thinking at the time, no, Allah is the God of the Arabs, the people in the Middle East. Or he's like the sun God or moon God. I don't think he's like the God. You know what I'm saying? So he gave me a grammar lesson. Right. And to dispel very quickly, and you need to understand this so you'll understand me better, um, audience. He gets a piece of paper, and he spells out the word, the name, Allah, A-L-L-A-H, right? He says, in the Arabic language, the word Al, A-L, means the, the, right? He said, an Ilah, I-L-A-H, is a God, Right? He says, so grammar lesson real quick. He says, um, you have a direct and an indirect article, meaning if I were to say, Sean, go get me a chair, that would be any chair. That's an ilah. Uh, anything could be a God. You know, you can make a man into a God, a chicken, a cow, anything that you want to worship into a God. He says, when you add the word the, it becomes a direct article. If I were to say, get me the chair, you know exactly what chair I'm talking about. He said, when you bring these two words together, you drop the I so that it is fluid upon the tongue. You have Allah, which means the God of everything in existence, everything that is created. Right. And it fascinated me. I had never heard this put like this. So it gives me this book which I later found out was the Quran. 
and I started to read it from front to back, and it's fascinating. The stories and how it tells me about who God is, what he is, and it starts to tell me about these prophets and messengers, and it starts to tell me things about Jesus I've never heard before. Let me interject something. Right. It, it truly sounds like your grandfather speaking through him. Because that three-year-old boy that was 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 captivated right. with his grandfather's building right. and working and and the knowledge and the understanding, right. now he's getting it the same way but differently. Right. And as we said in the beginning of the interview, I always had a thirst for knowledge, but it, it was just a point in my life that the the knowledge I was getting was negative knowledge. Could could you see or feel your grandfather smiling, knowing that the direction the ship is getting ready to get righted? that the turn is taking not at, not at that moment because um going back again if 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 anybody goes back and listen to the episodes with danielle valines on trauma i had went through so much trauma i just pushed it down i wasn't even thinking about i, I try not to think about them because that was a part of my life that hurt it's just like the the first girlfriend i talked about when i went to prison she went on she left so that type of pain and that type of hurt, I didn't want to feel it no more. So you just suppress it, you push it down. So you got a whole lot of unlit bombs sitting oh, in the man. case. Oh, man. So you just suppress it, suppress it, suppress it. So here it is now. A knowledge comes to me that I've never heard before. It's very interesting and it's fact checkable. I can check it. So now you have something to do. I have something to do. I have and I, and, and I have something that can take up a lot of time. Especially in prison, you need things that take up time. Did did this uh, require you to take some time away from the daily drug dealing and hustling? Uh, did it replace some of that and say, you know what, I don't have time to do both? So Not at first. Back. Not at first. That's why change is a process. I was Muslim. I was still getting high. Wow. So explain, I was still selling explain drugs. that to people because. They, a lot of folk think that the conversion is immediate. No. Uh, how no. did you deal with your Muslim brothers? Did you talk transparently saying, you know, some, I'm still getting Because some of them were like me. And see, the thing that you have to realize is that uh, the soul is created like a soldier. So like soldiers find each other, like souls find each other. Right. So if you if your soul is in a purified stage, it finds another purified soul to mingle with. But if your soul is in the 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 transformation stage, it finds that type of soul. So you 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 automatically find someone that's moving like you move. Like okay, man, I'm gonna pray, but you know what I'm saying, man, I'm gonna fast, but you know what I'm saying. So you find that type of bond with someone. So you're you're right now you're kind of hanging with crippled Muslims. Absolutely. How did you get to that upright, healthy Muslim? Talked to this brother today when I was going to do my taxes. Um, his I, I must say his name is Lawrence Howardson. He got incarcerated at 16 years old for murder. He's been locked up now 27 years. I'm going to stop you. Right. You just said, audience, listening audience, listen. This man has had a rough road. Right. Uh, made a lot of bad choices. Right. He just said he was going to do his taxes this morning. Yeah. Yeah. How important is that? Just let's just let's just touch oh, that for a second. It, it, what does it feel like to be doing your taxes when you were not long ago in a room with an AK-47 stealing $250? You know what I said yesterday. I got my children in the car and I'm driving and I'm saying to myself, because I know y'all think I'm crazy, but I still talk to myself. 
positively, you know. <laughs> but I say to myself, I said, um, Sean, all the money you've made illegally, it is it isn't a drop in the ocean to the money you've made legally, man. Wow. A drop in the ocean. And I can't describe that feeling enough to be legit and legal. It's nothing like it, bro. I've never all of the things that I thought was made me happy. I've never been this happy in my life, bro. So you have a business bank account. Yes, sir. You have an LLC. I do. You you pay taxes in your business name. As much as I wouldn't like to, I do. <laughs> and you have taxable deductions. I do. What I a, do. What a life. So let's go back to Mr. Howerton now. Um, This young brother, fascinating. He's three years younger than me. Fascinating young man. He's Muslim as well. And there is a institution that was opened in 2007 called Green Rock uh, Correctional Facility in Chatham, Virginia. And they just started moving people to it. We were one of the first 100 people, 200 people there, okay? And this is an intricate part of how I changed this whale. Now, mind you, I'm still getting high here and there, right? I'm still learning, right? I've learned a lot, so a lot of things I'm not doing you know, I'm not selling drugs no more or anything like that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt people like that. And you know what I'm saying? So I changed that. That's what it, like I said, a process because I'm starting to let little things go here and big things go here and there. But this is how it all kind of abruptly shut down. It's a new compound and it's barren land. I mean, barren land. There are no programs. It's nothing going on. We have to set everything up. So we got to set up our, uh, the church has to set up its service and the uh, uh, the Mormons have to set up their service. The Muslims have to set up their services. You know, they got to get a library going. They got all this stuff that needs to be done. i never forget, this brother has to be what is known for us called an imam, which would be a preacher in the uh, Christian community, right? He says, man, I got to be the imam. I'm going to need you to have my back. I'm going to need you to teach the classes. So man, I, teach, I was high when he asked me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, man, yeah. I can't, I can't. And he, and this is what made him and makes him such a beautiful brother because he knew, but he gave me a responsibility. Nobody had ever gave me a responsibility. The the positive weight on the scale. Right. It of was right and wrong. He right. just dropped on you. And I'm like, I can't, I'm trying to get out of it, bro. I'm like, man, I don't want, he's like, no, you got to do it. I'm like, all right, man. So now I'm forced to study because now I have people's lives. When you're dealing with religion, this is different from, you know, you taking somebody out to eat. You know, this, this, this is you're, you're feeding them something for their soul. Right. So now I, I have to be in line. I have to know what I'm talking about. And I got to make sure that what I'm talking about is correct and it's the truth. So is this where the, the heavy study, the learning yes. how to speak Aramaic and yes. Greek and Hebrew and all those things started yes, to sir. take place? Yes, sir. And, it, and, it, and that's when the change was abrupt because I had to do it overnight. But once I got into it, I found out how much I loved it. Really? How much I loved teaching. I, I ended up becoming a tutor in the school. I ended up, you know, uh, every trade that I took, after I, I graduated from it, I taught it. Talk about those trades, the, the evolution of the change. Uh, after I got my GED, the first trade that I took was, um, excuse me, 
first trade I took was a commercial cleaning. I learned how to do floors and windows, and it was it was it was nice. I liked it. It um I had a great instructor, but it was the thirst for knowledge, just learning that I could do more with my hands than crime. Did you feel like you were in jail at this point? Because it sounds like there's a lot of things taking up your time that are positive. Still feel like you're incarcerated or did it feel like the beginning of getting away from incarceration? Being in jail, but not in jail. Yeah, it's it was I would say the beginning of, you know, because once you get your mind out of there, your the body just be there. You know, that's why a lot of guys, they get stuck in there because their mind is in there. I just was learning so much and doing so much. And I was outside of the building all day long. When I come in the building, it's really pretty much to either get counted or go to sleep. Wow. So I'm working outside the building. I'm all over the compounds. So it was I was there, but I wasn't. It wasn't like it was that. And I, and I say this again for young men, women and, you know, ladies and gentlemen that are our age, that. Is if you have to face incarceration or if you're coming from incarceration, it is very important that you do things that you would want to do out here. I didn't I could have got a job that I stayed in the building. I made sure that I got jobs that I would have to get up. I would have to take a shower. I would have to something that you say. Routine have to, change. Yeah, I would have to iron my shirt. You know, <laughs> you know I would have to go out to right. work. And I mean, it was a real job. It didn't pay that much, but it was a real job. Responsibility. Responsibility, man. And it just, you know, it just shaped me. And I just kept on doing it that, you know, it w- when I came out here, which I'm, I'm sure you asked, but when I came out here, it was already the routine. What year in the 15 was this taking place? Um, About half of it. Half of it had been done. I came in at, at 2001. This was about 2007. Okay. So you still had a lot of time. I still had a lot. I still had a lot. But it that was the the I tell young men and women, I really didn't start getting to know who Sean was until I was about thirty two years old. Wow. So but, yeah. at seven years into this uh incarceration, you were how old? At at two thousand seven? Yes, sir. Uh two thousand seven I was I was probably around thirty. Getting ready to turn. Yeah. I was could you see the future? Did you see that, you know, this 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 could I, turn out well now? Not really, because I was just in it and I just knew I didn't want to be the same. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to do was I knew I didn't I did not want to come back here. I didn't want to die in here. Um, I tell somebody like one of the most profound things that really set in on me. It was very hot. I was at a place. And it was a small sale. I was in, it was extremely hot, bro. Extremely. And I got up and I looked out the little window and had the bars on it. I seen the heat waves wow. outside and my mind zoned out the building. Right. And I started to think about the Milky Way and I started to think about the galaxy. Then I started to think about the heavens. Then I started to think about the earth. Then I started to think about our country. Then I started to think about our state. Then I started to think about the building I was in. Then I thought about the room I was in. And then I said, man, as big as this world is, I can't get out to sale. And that changed for me. All right. So industrial cleaning was the first thing. Where else did you go with your education? After that and after I started teaching there, I um, next trade was AutoCAD. I learned how to construct blueprints for um, buildings. 
um, commercial buildings, residential properties. I could actually write up uh, blueprints to build houses and buildings. Did you have any prior experience or this is all new learning? Never, never, ever. The software and program was, uh, it, it blew my mind that they would have this in prison. Like I know guys that went on right now and have uh, construction and contracting businesses that they make millions of dollars from this class. So in, in the midst of this learning, uh, there's a transformation taking place. Uh, you're no longer desiring to get high as much. Hmm. What was it like with the folk that you were getting high with and doing the negative things now that you're making this transformation? Was there any peer pressure? Absolutely. Um, but most so, I got high by myself. Because being Muslim, you you want to cover your faults. And in prison, you're in a fishbowl, meaning that you see everybody's sins, faults, or whatever is going on because it's just close proximity. So you're seeing what's going on. So you got to hide and dip and slip and slide. And I couldn't, because of the position I got in, I couldn't do it because eyes was on me. And when those eyes are on you, you can't move a certain way. You know, because now it's like, man, I, I forgot to put the visine in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? I got to go talk, you know. And now when you're in a position, you may have to go talk to a warden. Because you want to start a program. Or, and then on top of that, your heart is changing. So you can't be fake. You, I'm faking. You know what I'm saying? To a degree, I'm faking because I'm, I want this to happen in a positive way. I want this program, man. Listen, man, we need a program for fathers, man. I'm a father, so on and so forth. But I'm still slipping over here and sliding. And, you know, to myself and in my heart, I'm like, you faking, bro. Either you don't do it or do it. Which one are you going to do? Did you ever talk to the imam about this? After. <laughs> after I got myself together okay. all the way. After I got myself. But he knew. He knew. And that's why I love that brother. And there's nothing. I just wrote a letter to the parole board for that brother. A very, very uh, heartfelt letter for him, man. Because he was one of the people that helped change my life. All right. Let's fast forward a little bit. I understand that digital graphics uh, came into your, your life. Mm -hmm. and. And that is is what really made a change. So the talk birth, about that. The birth of um, that was the last trade that I got um, that I received before coming home. My last four years, I made it to a lower level compound. I get in and um, I learned how to run offset printing presses. I was always uh, obsessed with heavy machinery. Learn how, you know, these machines, these the, these Germans and Italians made these machines that was uh, just phenomenal. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy how you can make a newspaper. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I really learned it. I got into the graphic side of it, you know, learning Adobe Photoshop and, and, and you know, um, and, and, and sweet. I think back then it was C4, you know, whatever it, it may have been and learning illustrating these things. And um I just really gravitated to that last trade a lot. And and um, uh, if I can move forward coming home, uh, I fell right in line with it. So you came home with a basket of trades and a new yes. mindset. Yeah. Uh, when you got out the car, um, but let's back up. When you were released from the prison, <laughs> who's the first person you saw? My mother. My mother... Uh, my wife at the time, my daughter, uh, and uh, my son-in-law. Um, these were the first people that I saw. And 
you know, I have a picture of me just hugging and my mother crying and just kissing her. Like, you never forget that. You never forget that feeling, man. You never forget that feeling. Ever. You know, um, the, just how it felt to be. The air was different, man. The air was different. I mean, just it, it was crisp. And it, and it and, and the air smelled free. You know, <laughs> it I, I smelled like imagine. free air. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and if you're listening and you're wondering why we didn't touch on uh, those 15 years of him being without his daughter, uh, just go through episode one through four. Right. And you can hear detailed right. about his time in prison and, and how he and his daughter navigated those waters. Absolutely. Uh, we encourage you to go back there. Please. Uh, because right now we're, we're headed to the exodus. We're headed to the good stuff. Mm. Uh, so you're out. Uh, you're headed home. Uh, the last time you got home, you called one of your boys and, mm. and you out getting high and, and, and acting a fool. What happened this time? First stop was I got a Big Mac. <laughs> that was my first stop. I ain't gonna lie. I got a Big Mac combo. And the next stop was at my grandparents' house. And that, they passed away, but that feeling of seeing them run out the door and I mean squeezing almost squeezing the life out of me out of 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 just I made it I made it you know he made it he, wow. he made it back you know um, so that that was that was just an incredible feeling man alright so you got these skills you, you know you gotta get out and you gotta go to work right First job was what? Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. So that that cleaning the floor thing, did that come into play uh, that you learned in prison or, or what? This is no lie. You can go over to Burger King right now in uh, Centerville, uh, Halifax County, Virginia, and and ask anybody there the work ethic. I worked at Burger King like I was working at a five-star restaurant. Come on. I mean, honest, man. And within 30 days, I was opening and closing Burger King. You had keys to the restaurant. No, I didn't have keys. Okay. I did not have keys. The only reason I did not have keys, the manager came down from Farmville because one of the trades that I had took was called Serve Safe before I came home, which taught you temperatures and how to run a restaurant. Okay. So I learned all the temperatures, when you should change lettuce, when you should change mayonnaise, wow. how, how to put the different temperature stickers, and really I, I learned it. So once I knew that knowledge, and then I had this massive work ethic, though, they were like, we need this guy to be a manager. We need him to run the store. Wow. They had came to me to run a store. I think it may have been in Farmville somewhere, but I had already put in my application at Benton and Thomas to at the print shop. So I told him, I said, man, I'm just, I'm just really waiting for this guy to retire, man. Gotcha. Right. So you, you use it as a stepping stone. Not just a stepping stone, but you would have never, ever gotten Sean Boxer to work in fast food before prison because I felt I was too good. So young folk out there that, that think that no, I can't work at McDonald's or Burger King or Walmart. We get clown. They think I'm, people going to see me. You know what I mean? I'm in the street. I'm not working there. Talk to them. And I want you guys to really feel me on this because I've had a lot of jobs and I've quit a lot of jobs. I got fired from a lot of jobs because of what I thought 
somebody would think about me. And those same people didn't have any more than me or less than me. That goes back to the peer pressure. So I want you to understand uh, a work ethic is is direly important, but more so your own self-worth and your own self-esteem. You have to know what your worth is, because I knew that I had a lot more to offer than flipping a burger. But in that transition, in that time, that was the best thing going for me. So you were going to be the best burger flipper you could be. That I could be. And I would go right back right now if need be and do it just the exact same way. Wow. Because I'm not, I'm not that big. I'm not too big for that mission. So Benton and Thomas is, is one of the premier printing companies in our area. And, it is. and they print everything and supply most businesses with all things digital graphic printed. How did you fit in there? And, and what was it like? What was the landscape like? Uh, first and foremost, I have to say... I have to give up their flowers while they're here. Mr. Mickey Thomas knew my background, knew how I learned that trade, and he gave me a shot. He gave me a real shot. He never, not one time, did that organization ever throw in my face that I had been caught. The first year, I didn't even know if they knew I had been in college. So you got a shot without strings. Period. Never treated me any different, treated me just like, it's a small band, seven-man band there, and treated me just like family, man. How important was that? It was important for me because I had never felt that in a work environment, right? And just being honest, 10 minutes of truth, you know, where we come from, if you have prestige maybe or a certain type of honor, you might not be able to get into a certain clique or you may not be able to get into a certain environment. For me, I was allowed into a space that normally a individual with my type of record, you would not get in there. What was your demeanor like? What was your appearance like? What was your work ethic like? Because a lot of us, unfortunately, young black men, think that we can look like anything behave like anything and and be lauded and and esteemed and that's just not true right so what did sean barksdale look like how did he behave uh f- my physical appearance was I, I i stopped wearing my pants hanging down a long time in prison because you're not going to do that in prison anyway you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean young guys they do it now but you know it, it meant a different thing what it mean uh it meant that you were available it meant that, you know, that um, that you if you had your pants hanging down, that uh, you may be a homosexual or that you were looking to be a homosexual. So you learn very quickly and pull these up. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, that ain't, what's, that ain't what's want. happening. That's not something yeah, that's, you that's not do. what's happening. That, that ain't okay. what this is, bro. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I got rid of that appearance. Uh, you know, I used to wear braids, so on and so forth. I made sure I always kept a clean cut. I always made sure that. You know, because this was a, like you say, prestigious in the community. And they had a work ethic. I already had a work ethic coming in. But I I wanted to make sure not only that I fit in, but I excelled in whatever it is that I was doing. That I stood out like, oh, that's Sean Barksdale. Because there used to be a time people used to hate to see me coming. That I didn't have keys to everybody's house and my family. Or there goes Sean. You know, here goes Sean. So it was important for coming back to this community for me to be reshaped and reformed into what I wanted to be in a positive manner. How many other folk looked like you that were at Benton Thomas? One. Just one. One guy. You said a while back in some of your other interviews that you helped tear down the community. 
and you felt like it was your responsibility to build it back up. Absolutely. How did that play in your tenure at Benton and Thomas? When people would ask me, where you work at? I said, Benton and Thomas. Well, what is that? It's the print shop right across from Hardy's. They'd be like, oh, you work there? I'm like, yeah. Well, what do you do? I run the print shop. You run the print shop. I run the print shop. You're not carrying boxes. No, 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 no. no. I run the print shop. Wow. Well, how did you? I learned that trade in prison. This organization gave me a, a shot, and it meant it meant everything to me, man. You know, because for the first time, I had a different type of prestige. I had had prestige before, but it was negative, and it was just the wrong people. So now I got different people looking at me in a whole different light. Did your learning stop when you first got to uh, Headley and Benton? Were they using one type of equipment? And by the time you left, were they using something different? So did you have to evolve and learn different things or what you learned in prison carried you through? Um, no, I had to learn. It was they had different. They, I, a lot of the equipment they had, I knew, like the printing presses that they had now, which was very I was very reluctant because it two of the machines they had was the exact same machines that I learned on. So I knew those machines and I could I could move them. But then there were and they had a cutter that I was kind of familiar with. But then there were other because what happened is back there, you really ran the print shop, meaning that I was the only person that ran, you know, 10 different machines. Wow. That you got to learn. You got to learn what a collator is. You got to learn what a perforator is. I didn't know those. So, you know, the guy that taught it to me, he, he was, you know, he's a master printer. So he taught me well. So the young folk that are in school and they're thinking math class isn't important. Oh, is no. it important? It's very important because if you don't know how to read a ruler, you can't do this. You have to know math. Could you come in high and hung over and do this no, kind of work? You cut your fingers off. <laughs> For, For real. real. Or you would I'm, literally you would because if you not if you don't have um all your scruples together, you get hurt quick, very quick. Or you can and, and and sometimes that wouldn't even be the worst thing. You can mess up a lot of money. Talk about some of the things you printed because people say print shop. They don't know what you were doing. The, the the high-end responsibility uh, to come in on deadline and produce these kinds of products, who were you producing them for? One of the things that, that stood out to me the most, and I knew that Ben and Thomas was solidified, was a few years back they had the, um, uh, like the um, tornado in um, the, the Carolinas, and it was like it had flooded really bad. And, and things were out and, you know, it, it, a lot was damaged and we had to print. Uh, I mean, just stop everything and just start a whole new production for Carolina. Um, they needed to get uh, um, um, uh, resources to them and they had to have uh, these forms filled out to be able to do it, to get to the people, to even know what they needed. Wow. And we stopped everything and did like thousands thousands so and that's you, what you're I doing do. things basically for fema so they could yeah. get information yeah absolutely absolutely and you know i we we print for you know some of everyone and everybody you know the prizery the prizery um 
uh, a lot of work, the hospital. And I mean, just very detailed things. You know, most of the predominant businesses in Halifax County, when it comes to their envelopes or their invoices, they go to Benton and Thomas. Business cards, they go to Benton and Thomas. You know, I remember uh, having to redo the signs, I think, at Presto, Benton and Thomas. You know, um, um, uh, uh, um, another uh, AB&B, you know, Benton and Thomas. So we did a lot, and we they still do a lot for, you know, Tri-County. Well, in, in typical Sean Barksdale fashion, uh, the beginning is never just the beginning, <laughs> and the end is never the end. Right. Uh, press for time tease. Mm. How was that birthed, and how did you deal with working for someone and dealing with the dream of working for yourself? So I come to work one day, and Barry Long, which was the print manager, great guy, um, he comes back to me. He says, Sean, everything that we, we're spring cleaning in here today, everything that not nailed down that we're not using, we're getting it out of here. Sorry, no problem. I had been there a year. And there was a machine in the corner. I didn't know what it was. We never used it because the school had shut down their their print program and donated all of that stuff to Benton and Thomas. I asked Barry, I said, Barry, well, what is that? He says, a T-shirt making machine. I said, T-shirt making machine? He said, yeah, it presses images. I was like, well, what do you want for it? He says, take it. I was like, take it where? He's like, take it home. <laughs> wow. Before... He can even turn his back good. Now, this is a heavy machine. Right. I got to hoist it up going to the car. <laughs> I'm going to he ain't going to change his mind on this no, one. No, no, no. I, I, I throw it in the trunk. I don't know what it is. Don't know what it does. Anything. I go home. And that night, my wife at the time, I'm in the, the bed and I'm uh, on YouTube. And I'm uh, looking up. Uh, I didn't know it was even called a heat press. I just say t-shirt making machine. Gotcha. That he said. Right. So... I see the machine that I have now and I see this guy talking and making t-shirts and he's talking about the money from the t-shirts. I look at her. I said, they gave me a gold mine. Wow. I didn't know anything about a business plan. I didn't know anything about taxes, LLC, C Corp. I didn't know nothing about none of that. I just started studying and connecting myself to the people. And the next thing I know, I had created a logo I created LLC and created a name. What was the first thing you printed? The first, the first thing I ever printed, um, I went to Walmart and you know, little iron on letters. Mm -hmm. I went and got the little iron on letters. Didn't know anything. Got the little iron on letters and the neighborhood that I used to sell drugs in. All these guys went on to start businesses and, you know, uh, and, and, uh, trucking businesses and things of that nature we had a reunion everybody came back home because i was you know i was out they kind of wanted to celebrate me being out um came back home and the first shirt i made it said um um it was the letters of the place and it and it said reunion with wow. those little iron on letters okay that was it well we're gonna move forward just a little bit All right it's it's a, a normal day and you find out that you may not be working at Benton and Thomas for long. Right. What was going through your mind? Fear. I had two babies. You know, you I had <laughs> you know, um car payments. 
I had, you know, loans. You know, I had a life that had that it took me. You know, I had to build it relatively fast. So Press for Time Tees was in business, but it wasn't in business to the point where it could take care of your family. No, no. It was it was secondary income that made my life comfortable, you know, because that money I I, I, I was able to use Benton and Thomas money for bills, you know, and taking care of family. That money was leisure money. That was I was able to take the trips with and you know do this and if i want to sporadically buy something for the kids or all that i could do it so it was just a, a like a, a second job you know but it 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 wasn't to the point that it was it could pay a light bill you know steadily you know <laughs> and so um i get the news i get the news like you know it's the whispers that you know the parent company is closing in Danville, they're moving down to South Boston, and seniority is taking place. And I'm seen to be the lowest man on the totem pole, so this is what's what's happening. So you know, I'm very nervous. I'm very scared. I remember going telling my wife, "This is what might be happening," and you know, she was very encouraging. You know, you you're gonna be all right. You know, everything's gonna be all right. And I I talked to you know my business partner, and um. He said the exact same thing. You know, he's like, well, let's get prepared. You know, let's 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 get in gear. And that that helped me because for the first time in a long time, I was scared of something because I think I didn't have any control over it. You know, I was used to controlling stuff and putting myself in line that I could control the situation and I couldn't control that situation. And I just started moving and 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 you know god started moving with me so young people if you don't know being an entrepreneur isn't a 40 hour a week job what was your grind like the same way it is now i mean i i said to myself i would work eight hours at benton and thomas and i would come home and work 12. and both of these jobs you stand on your feet and, and that doesn't leave a lot of time for sleep or nothing else you know i'm just being honest with you uh, you know it, it, it disrupted my marriage you know uh, um i have to apologize to her because here it is i'm pursuing a dream that i'm i feel so strongly about but i got children that you know a lot of times she has to you know deal with alone because i'm making t-shirts and i'm trying to build a brand i'm trying to market and i'm trying to let everybody got a t-shirt business everybody but I got to make Presbyterian Tees different. It has to stand out differently. So I got to move differently with it. And it was taxing. It's still taxing. You know, there are several storefront brick and mortar businesses that do what you do. Right. But they don't compete with you because they can. Right. What sets Press for Time Tees apart? An unmatched work ethic of speed press for time tease means just what you hear people come to me um when they need a very very efficient product fast man 
And now we're living in a world where everybody needed fast. I like to come around, you know, I want my car, I want it now. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants their stuff right now. So when you go to an organization and you have an event coming up Saturday, like, like right now, and, and this, you know, no shameless plug, you know, um, I feel a lot of remorse for the young man that was killed in our town last week, but I got off the phone with his mother today. They want 125 memorial shirts. How do people find Press for Time Tees? Where, where are you available? Um, online, of course, uh, uh, pressfortimetees.com, P-R-E-S-S, the number four, time, T-I-M-E-T-E-E-S.com, and we're on all social media platforms. Um, but just going back in line with that, I made sure that I could do what everybody else did, but faster. I practiced it without losing any quality none if not better so quality speed and price point and price point um it's hard to ma it's hard to match us because going back to the earlier conversations knowledge knowledge is key because i connected to people that connected me to people that connected me to the right resources you know the the listening audience you know you're going to be surprised at this but you shouldn't be based on what you heard from sean thus far you sold t-shirts to the jail i did i did talk about that i did um young lady i went to school with um knows me from who i used to be went to school with me saw this and actually was a jailer when i was in jail and saw the transformation reached out to her supervisors and said, you know, we got to get this guy a try. And I ended up doing uh, T-shirts for our um, one of our local prisons and also another prison that I actually was at. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was a landmark. That was that was monumental for us. You know, this is part one uh, with learning who Sean Barksdale is. Uh, this is an extended podcast, but we can't do it abbreviated because there's so much to learn about him and so much information to share. Um, we're doing this on his podcast. <laughs> 10 minutes of truth is Sean a Barksdale's podcast. And he's gone from prison to podcast. Uh, he's gone from drug dealer to entrepreneur. Hmm. Um, he's gone from prisoner to free man. And along the way, um, in the last three months, he's been sharing his, his story, his knowledge, and giving other people a platform to share their knowledge and their story. And something big is coming. Mm. Um, rights restoration. Mm. Gun rights restoration. Mm. Voting rights restoration. Mm. Uh, internet. Mm. Policing. He's taken a 180 in life. And press for time tease. 10 minutes of truth and Sean a Barksdale are that triune. So you let everybody know, uh, listen to 10 minutes of truth, 10 minutes of truth.com. You can find him there. Sean, thanks so much for sharing this information with the listening audience. We know it's an extended podcast, but you need to share this and you need to find Sean. So Sean, you end this podcast in a way that you would like to. Well, first and foremost, I really appreciate you. Uh, for the interview, um, it, it, it really took someone that um, has learned me, took 
and had patience with me and teaching me. So I really appreciate that. And just for the listening audience, uh, this this platform is being built for you. You know, I'm I'm new at it, uh, but I'm, I feel at home with it because I feel like people took time with me to teach me. And that's all we want to do. We want to bring some of the best resources to you guys that we can. If you go back and listen, uh, we've had some f- extraordinary people from, you know, my daughter um, to Lindsay Terry to Miss Valines to Barry. Um, I'm mid-Atlantic broadband you know these people took time out of their lives to make this platform become what it's becoming we have some great things coming up so I just thank all of you for even tuning in and you know thinking that I'm even worthy of being heard so I'm I'm, I'm humbled by that gesture and I thank all of you guys and this is Sean A. Barksdale and it's been 10 minutes of truth a teacher a principal in Mid-Atlantic Broadband and Microsoft. We want to tell you some very important upcoming episodes on how these individuals and this technology is connecting in the community. This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth.